We're looking for a big thing, a person, a big thing that fixes this. We didn't break this in one big thing. We broke it in a lot of little things, which leads to the question I always ask, how do you eat Leviathan? Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today we're going to get back to basics. We're going to get back to my passion and what started this podcast from the start. Tell them what that is, Jim. The Constitution of the United States of America. Oh, that pesky document. That that outdated scrap. (laughs) Right? Right? No, not right. (laughs) We have a guest here that, and I I told him I wouldn't fanboy over him. Yeah. I have been following this guy for years. Um, When I started the Everyday Constitution, um, he was my first stop when I would start my research in. All right. Uh, his name is Paul Engel and he runs constitution study. You can find it at constitutionstudy.com and his podcast just about anywhere that podcast are dropped is constitution study. And they're 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. They're quick hitters. But what he does that is so awesome that I wish I had, I had that I was better at doing. He used big words. He doesn't no, oh, no, okay. no. He okay. doesn't just talk about, He doesn't just talk about the articles. He doesn't just talk about the amendments. He's putting things that are happening today and how that should be affected by the Constitution. Sure. And I'll tell you, man, there's not an episode that goes by. And I've I've emailed him just recently. And there's times where like half the episode, three quarters of the episode, I'm listening to him and I'm like, I don't know if that's right. You're not sold. You're not sold. And And then what do you do? He brings it home. home? He brings it home, man. And I am like, my man, right? My man. So Paul, are you there? I'm not all here. I mean, after all of that, I think my head's swollen. I'm going to be chilling up in the back. We are hype men, don't we? We are hype men, yeah. You can hire us. You can hire us out. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. We can show up at all your public speaking engagements and really get the crowd going for you. Uh, but no, man, no joke. And what you're doing here is incredible work. We always say it here, man, is that apathy is going to kill this country. And not knowing. It is amazing to me. And one of the things I want to talk about with you are some of the common misconceptions about the constitution that regular people have. And one of the biggest, I believe, is that it's crazy to me when I talk to people and how many people believe that the constitution is there to grant you your rights, that this is what you're allowed to do. When in reality, it is a restraining document against the government. It's keeping them in check. It's telling the government what they are not allowed to do. And it's not all encompassing, right? It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that you are um, allowed to go up to the grocery store at will and buy whatever you want. And that's one of Jim's favorite lines. If you go back episodes and episodes, he says, show me in the Constitution where it says, and then whatever the topic is. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a merch shirt available soon. So (laughs) so what started this thing for you? I mean, so one day Paul Engel, who did did not have the Constitution study, did not have his podcast, was sitting at home. And what was that moment where you were like, you know what I'm going to do? Well, it's actually, you're, and I thank you for your kind of sometimes sitting in an office, lonely in a room with a microphone, to wonder, are people listening to what you had to say? And it, it truly makes a difference to hear it. I was like pretty much everybody else. You know, I went to public school, mostly in the 1970s. Uh, I had a job and had an excellent career. I spent 30 years in IT. As far as the Constitution was concerned, I was ignorant and apathetic. I didn't know. I didn't care. It was for the lawyers. It was for the judges. Let me live my life. And I was listening to a podcast, and someone quoted a founding father by the name of John Jay. Now, you know probably know about John Jay, but for those who don't, John Jay is his unemployed middle founding father. 
I mean, all he did was help negotiate and sign the Treaty of Paris at the end of the Revolutionary War. He uh, wrote several of the Federalist Papers. He was the first Chief Justice of the United States. And he said, every member of the state ought diligently to read and to study the Constitution of this country and teach the rising generation to be free. He said, by knowing your rights, by knowing their rights, you'll sooner perceive when they're violated and be better prepared to defend and assert them. And I took that as a challenge. I realized I had never read the Constitution. I had no idea really what it said, except some little stuff I had learned, mostly from Saturday morning cartoons, by the way, the schoolhouse laugh and all that. So I read it. And I was struck by two things. First, how much I had not been taught about this document in school. I mean, we didn't cover a, a small fraction of it. But what really got me is how much of what I had been taught was wrong. And that really got me going as to reading and studying this. I tell the story a few years before. I was working with an international team on writing a book, and we were about to launch, and it was in the middle of a presidential election. And I tried to explain to them the process of electing a president when I hadn't studied it. And then I, you know, I, I stumbled through all this, and I realized how many Americans do exactly the same thing. So I'm, I'm reading and studying, and I'm learning more. And I'm driving home one night from a Bible study at a friend's house. And I'm listening to a report. It was 2014. It was a report about a 2013 survey from the First Amendment Center. They had asked a thousand people, among other things, to name the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment. And 36% of the respondents could not name a single freedom. And I was that, you know. I wonder what those numbers are now. Do you know? Uh, They haven't done it since 2019. But they generally range between 30 and 40 percent. They, they Still. Got to a low of 20. Oh, yeah. But what got me is I was, I'm not mad. How, how could we? Granted, even before I started the Constitution, I had come up with like freedom of speech and freedom of press. I, and I just said to myself, Paul, that's your hands, God. I said, God, why don't these people, why don't we study the Constitution the way my friends and I just study the Bible? And the light bulb went off. And I went, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't we? So being a relatively intelligent man, I did what all relatively intelligent men would do in that situation. I talked to my wife, and she <laughs> gave me this kind of physical look, like, okay, what are you talking about? It doesn't sound bad, but I don't really understand it. So I talked to uh, several of my friends, and they gave me pretty much the same look, except for one. One lady calls me up two days later and says, Paul, we're going to have a constitution study. It's going to be in our local public library. You need to go talk to the librarian so that she'll sign off on this and give us the rule. And that's how the Constitution study started. And that was in New York. And that was that was a small town in upstate New York. Oh, upstate. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I was born in New York City. I lived most of my life outside of Albany, New York, actually right on the Massachusetts border. Okay. And the first, I had two weeks to prepare all this. And that first night, we had about 15 people show up. And I had everybody from senior citizens to high school students. And we spent the next nine months, meeting every other week, uh, anywhere from you know, 10 to 12 people most nights. And we did exactly what we described. I'd read, the, I'd read a section of the Constitution. I'd read a clause. What do you think? What do you think? Questions. Have you considered this? And then we move on. And then after nine months, I moved from upstate New York to where I live now, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I've got – I don't have the networking connections. I don't have people – that will show up because I've got this crazy idea about studying the Constitution. I finally, when I, ha- I got laid off from work, I had some time in my hands. I said, I'm going to write a book. And that's where the book started. And I'm like, well, if I'm writing a book, 
I probably ought to have a website because I can then describe the process of going through the study. And that's where the website came up. And everything kind of has flown, it's, you know, gone from there. You so know, yes, I, have, I have the website, I have the, uh, I do the articles, I got videos, I'm on, you know, God, and I'm in Rumble and YouTube and all of these. And now, five days a week on America Out Talk Radio, I got a, I got a one-hour radio program. You know what is amazing to me with you, um, and one of the things I've always respected about you, is the information that you need, or that I need. The information that that Americans need does not cost anything through your website or your podcast. You're not hiding behind a paywall. You're not telling people, well, if you want to learn about the Constitution, it's $2.99 a month. $2.99 a month will give you access to, I'll tell you what, we'll give you Article 1 for free, but if you want the amendments, it's going to be $2.99 a month. You don't do that. You could make money doing this. But you don't. You're making your money on the side, right? You're making your money through shirts. You're making your money. And you have quite a few books out, um, quite a few papers. You're, that's where you're making your money. You, you aren't holding people hostage to learn about this. And I know that that has taken a toll on you. It ha- the work that you put in and the return that you're getting back, just it, it has to seem like it's not worth it at times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the businessman in me looks at this. You know, my, my accountant looks at this as a fool's errand. Uh, because you're right. I, I could, yeah, I could set up a paywall and I could, you know, spend lots of money on advertising and get all sorts of subscriptions. But the information I keep gleaning and understand, you, you talk about how much I, I write. A lot of the writing comes from my own research. It, it, I'm learning things and passing them along. I think this information is so important. How can I morally? How can I live with myself knowing I had the information that could change people's lives? And I didn't give it to them. Yeah, I, I had several groups that had contacted me asking for assistance in you know, drafting legislation or, or drafting a, a court case. And my only answer is, if you like what I do, donate what you think it's worth. Because I, I can't look at somebody and say, you can't, I'm not going to help you defend your rights unless you give me money for it. Right. Uh, this, has become, this has become such a passion for me. And like I said, I had a 30-year IT career. I had a very successful IT career. I walked away from it to do this. And, uh, you know, financially, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know what? Ask us how we know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am happier than I have been in years because I get to spend time as crazy. I mean, I work six, six and a half days a week. I work lots of hours. I travel the country. The only thing I enjoy more than writing a really, really good article with a really, really good video is meeting people face-to-face and having a talk or a discussion or, a, or some sort of event and having people say, wow, I, I, that makes sense now. Uh, I never thought of it that way. Or like you, just, you know, like, this is the place I go to because your information is great. That's what keeps the, the home fires burning while I'm trying to figure out how to pay for all this stuff. I'll tell you, man, I, and, and the reason you're my first stop is because I know every week that I'm going to be able to find something new there, right? I'm not, I'm not ever going to have to worry about going to constitution studies podcast. And the last thing was a month ago. I know I'm not going to have to worry about that. You're reliable. Your information is correct. And he's able to bring it up to today's standards and what's going on today and and apply it to it. Absolutely. And there is opinion in it too. I mean, it's clear when he's talking about some stuff, some opinion stuff, and I love it. I love it because 
at least for me, you're trusted. So your opinion means something. So just keep on doing what you're doing, man. I mean, I, I know, I know that sometimes it seems like people aren't listening. They are. When we did our everyday constitution, I would refer back to you and I would send people over there to you. And I'm like, look, you want to hear more about it? Here's the episode, you know, go listen to this episode. You know, and I would tell people when we, when we did this thing, every time I would say, hey, look, just know this. I am not a constitutional attorney, right? I'm no better than you. The only difference is that I've read it, right? I know what it says. And when I see government who is stepping out of bounds, I know where to go to find it to say, hey, look, you are, you are not allowed to do this. And there are some things that he was saying in his podcast where I was like, is this where Jim got that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, and that's one of the things with him is he is, he's like, look, take what I'm doing, man. Take what I'm doing and go out and tell the masses, you know, tell your groups. Funny thing is you you talk about, you know, you're not a constitutional lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV, but you have to understand law schools no longer teach the Supreme law of the land. They no longer teach the constitution for the last four years. I've asked every attorney I've met, when you were in law school, did you study the Constitution or constitutional law? I've had one man in four years tell me they studied the Constitution in law school. Everyone else studied the opinion of judges. Right. I'm all about you go back to the original document. Don't tell me what it says. Show me what it says. And one, of the, one of the things I picked up from you um, that we did in, that, in the Everyday Constitution was using, I, is it 1825, the dictionary? Yeah. 28. Yep. We, we had a good time with that. Yeah. And that was one of the things I said, look, you cannot understand the original intent of this using definitions from today. You got to go back to what those words meant to these people. And it was brilliant. It was just a brilliant, brilliant move that lended credibility to me. But I always gave credit to you. I never stole your stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. I actually had somebody challenge me on the 1828 dictionary. He said I should use, uh, I'm drawing a blank of the guy's name, but it was a, it was a, like a 1770s dictionary. And uh, it, it was a challenge. And, and I, I had to, to make sure my argument made sense. And I said, listen, understand, Noel Webster, while he wasn't part of writing the Constitution, he was a contemporary. He had been collecting, he had been writing spellers for years while the Declaration and the Constitution were being drafted. He was invited to edit the Federalist Papers. So, you know, words change over time. If I want to know what George Washington or, or, or John Adams meant when they said something, I'm pretty sure Noah Webster had the right answer. And going back to that, has so much enhanced my study. I mean, I, I perfect example, First Amendment, you're talking about freedom of the press. I still today hear people talk about the news media. That's not what it means. The press, you go back to the Webster's 1820 edition, the press is the art or business of publishing. That means you're in the press. I'm, anytime you publish something, that's your freedom of the press. So that could be a Facebook post by, by a regular I, human. Absolutely. It's a Facebook hmm. post. It's a, it's a web page. Wow. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tweet yeah. when you're publishing things. So, you know, the, the news media don't, doesn't have some special constitutional guaranteed right. It's that misunderstanding that leads to things like, uh, well, you know, don't sue people that buy ink by the barrel. You know, the, the, the courts just give such deference to the news media because they're protected by the constitution. no, my right to publish is protected by the Constitution as well as theirs. Exactly. You don't need a journalist badge 
you don't need a press badge to be able to get that protection uh, from the First Amendment. Um, from the government. Exactly. Well, and, and that's yeah. what it's always about, right? Yeah. And that was the episode I was I was listening to with him. It was uh, social media and the First Amendment. I was one, I, and I'm still, I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, I guess we can get into it a little bit. I don't know how the First Amendment social media is going to go. Now, we had Ben Barr on. Uh, he's a First Amendment attorney, represents Project Veritas. And he had his, his ideas about it. But mm-hmm. I just can't believe, and I understand how it works now. But I can't believe at some point the courts aren't going to have to look at the Facebooks and the Twitters. And because those have become the public square, those I, granted, they're not a physical and, and they're not always going to be the and, public square. And you're volunteering I'm, to go on. Them, yeah, right? we were all on MySpace at two at one time. I un, Well, right. But I understand that. But that is where the world communicates. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to his podcast, when he gets to the end of it. All of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know what? The government doesn't have a right to tell them what to do. But there's still a part of me that says, God, is it one day? I mean, Paul, what do you think? Do you think, do you foresee it one day that maybe they come out and they they consider this the public square? I would agree with you now, especially after listening to your to your episode there, that, you know, the government doesn't have a right to come in there and tell them what they have to accept. Well, I'll let you talk about your episode a little bit because you you are much more eloquent with it than me. See, when I look at the public square, for me, for something to truly be the public square, it is public property, right? When you think of, you know, the the town square or something like that. I'm blessed to live in a small town. We still have one of those little town squares with the courthouse in the middle. That's public property. It's different if I walk into the coffee house and I'm having discussions in the coffee house. And then now, since a bunch of us get together every week and talk in the coffee house, suddenly that becomes the public square and the owners of the property no longer have rights to control it. The problems we have, and again, a lot of it becomes comes from a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding. The issue we have is these are still private entities. No one is forcing you to use them. Yes, you get tremendous benefits. You can reach more people. When I got kicked off of Facebook, I had over a thousand followers. I had no idea that I was gone. Suddenly, I just magically disappeared. I even tried to create another account to let them know that I'd been kicked off, and Facebook shut down the account before they even authenticated it. But that's their property. The problem we have, and, and the, the, first, the actual First Amendment issue we have, actually comes under Section 230 of the Federal Communication Code because it violates the First Amendment, because it deprives the people of the ability to petition their government for a redress of grievance. So then I, when I have a problem, when I believe that a Facebook or a YouTube or a Twitter has violated the terms of service, the terms of agreement, have violated potentially an advertising contract, the federal government, Congress has said, said well, I can't sue them for taking down my content because we say so. Sorry, that violates the First Amendment. That is a deprivation of rights, uh, of my right to petition. Because you know, courts are a part of government. So that deprives me of, my, of that right. That means that whole Section 230, that whole section about protected from lawsuit, is invalid. It's void. By the way, the same thing exists for this whole uh, uh, immunization, the vaccines, and the, the, you know, you can't sue the, the, the manufacturers. Baloney, because that law violates the the, the right to petition the government for a redress of grievance. And by the way, since both Alexander Hamilton and the Supreme Court in Marbury versus Madison said 
a law contrary to the Constitution is void, that whole section legally doesn't exist. Now, if we actually taught lawyers and judges what the Constitution actually says, rather than what their little chattering class among themselves wanted to believe, we'd understand that, and we would have dealt with this a long time ago. Our ignorance over the years and decades is what's led us to this point where, where most people go, uh, First Amendment and, uh, you know, I can say whatever I want. I can, I can force people to say what I want, and I can force people to not say what I don't want them to say. And one of the points you brought up in that, that kind of helped change my mind, is, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm a conservative. So when Twitter is banning conservatives, when Facebook is banning conservatives, I'm like, you sons of bitches. You know, I'm like, this is this is dirty. This is dirty. Or when conservatives get blocked to the point where they can't post until after an election, which happened to you. Yeah, well, I can't. Yeah, I cannot post for another 30 days or so because of a Hunter Biden meme that I shared in 2021. Facebook found it a month ago from 2021 and said that I um, shared an intimate moment from Hunter Biden without his permission. And what it was, was a picture of the Taliban sitting around eating ice cream. Joe Biden was sitting there and then Hunter Biden was sitting there in his underwear with his red scarf on. That's all it was. I understand. I got kicked off of Facebook. When I got kicked off, I was, it was before the 2020 election, and I was actually teaching, this is what the Constitution and federal law says about how we actually elect a president. No, no, that's extremist. That that's extremist views. What were you thinking? Yeah. That's, yeah. You're, you're an extremist. <laughs> you're a terrorist. Laws? <laughs> yeah. well, laws come on. We don't care about We don't need no stinking laws. Yeah, you know, stinking laws. <laughs> uh <clears throat> to my point with, with what you were saying, you know, you were talking about, and I don't remember his name now, but the, uh, the cake decorator, right? That yeah. if, yes. And if, if we allow the government to come in and say, Hey, Facebook, you have to let these right wing extremists have their say, then there's nothing stopping them from coming in and telling him he has to then do the gay wedding cakes. And now government is involved in places that government should not be involved in. So I, I understand the slippery slope. I do. I just, it's so hard for me to separate, you know, and I guess that's part of the problem, right? I am a conservative and you are clearly aligned against conservatives, you know, social media. Yeah. And there's no hiding it. No, they're, they're not, they're not even trying to hide it now. And it's just wrong. And, and you know, it's understanding liberty. See, most people think, about liberty as being, I get to do what I want. We forget that liberty, true liberty, means I need to allow you to do what you want, even if it pisses me off. Whereas my generation used to say, I may vehemently disagree with what you had to say, but I will defend it against your right. We lost that. But here's the other interesting point. I agree. You know, I I I even ask my audience every so often, should I remain on YouTube? Should I remain on Twitter? Should I these places that are, are censoring, because on the one hand, if that's how you find me, if that's how you you learn about my content and follow me, I, I you know do I want to deprive you of that, even though I can point you to other locations. On the other hand, am I supporting an organization I dislike? And each and every one of us has to make that decision. How far will we go? And we have to allow other people to make that decision. What I love is when we let people talk, rather than trying to shut them up, you realize just how stupid their arguments are, and hopefully just learn who not to pay attention to. There's a reason why I post on Twitter and I post on YouTube. I don't follow a Twitter feed. 
I don't have, you know, I don't do that because I know that's just, you know, the septic tank emptying right into my mind. Unless you're following at Jim and Dan show at the podcast America Twitter page. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm serious. I don't follow any of them. I have, I learned years ago, if I'm going to do this, uh, I can't let other people curate my information for me. So I have, I collect news feeds. Okay. I, I was just listening to your podcast earlier. You may add, end up in my list of podcasts and feeds. Every night I sit down with my iPad after dinner, with my wife and I are watching TV. I break out my iPad. I've got between five and 600 articles, headlines that I read through every night that are coming from all different sources, uh, left, right, center, you name it. And I'm bringing them in and I'm curating them myself. I'm looking at the ones, this may be worth following up. This may be worth following up. And uh, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But I don't get the whole pictures, as uh, Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. The rest if of I the let story. someone else curate my information for me. Yeah, and I've had that argument with uh, liberal friends of mine before where I tell them, like, I... I'll give them a list of all the stuff that I that I look through all the different you know news sites and just so I can find the truth in the middle, and they're just like flabbergasted, like oh, you used, you went to Fox News yeah. before CNN, oh you you went and ch- checked out the Epoch Times, oh. or yeah, <laughs> or your right friends are like I cannot believe you went to Vox or right. you know yeah right and as much as it hurt, it pains me to give CNN that click, um, I still. You did a really good job of going through them all, and but the further and further we get into this, though, I, I don't want to do that anymore because there's no point in it. You know, if I see what Fox is saying or I see what Good Morning America is saying, I know the exact opposite's happening on the other channel. There's there's no reason to get into it. Well, it's interesting for me. So when I see these articles, uh, I know they're wrong. To me, that's proof that they're wrong. So I'm all about going to the original sources. That, that's kind of like my, my bread and butter. When I, when I wrote my book and I, and I have a chapter where I talk about constitutional study principles, it's original documents are bust. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to be, be the guy that says, when, when someone talks, well, CNN said this. Well, they're wrong. Why? Because it's CNN. That's not a reason. That's a bias. If I go and say, well, CNN quoted this, uh, this study, and when you look at the study, it says the exact opposite. That is evidence. It's why you listen. It's why I, I listen to the other side, because I want to. You know, I want to have the evidence of their error, not simply because they're CNN. When my daughter was young, and we would tell her, you know, because we said so is a good enough reason. That's fine for a toddler. That's not fine, you know, for an adult. If I'm going to give somebody a reason why they're they're wrong, it's got to be more than just because I said so. That's not the way it goes today. <laughs> exactly. I, I know. But then so, again, I'm weird. I know I'm weird. I enjoy being weird. And uh, that's why I'm here. Right? He's well, old school. So, okay. I get it. I get with the media, right? The media has, uh, the media, the Walter Cronkite days are over. It is now not news. It is opinion. Every single network is nothing but 24 seven opinion. And that's fine. If you lead out with that's what you are, but they don't, they, they purport they it to be the news. But it's just opinion. But so, how furious do you get? Just move the move the media to the side. How furious do you get watching the government who are wrong about the Constitution, who are constantly coming out wrong about the Constitution, either through ignorance or uh, through purpose? 
so that they can get what they want. But these are people that have put their hands on the Bible and sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States. You've got Joe Biden when he was talking about, uh, which one was it where he said he was going to make the Supreme Court uh, uh, decide that was uh, was that on the uh, the rent? It was it was moratorium rent moratorium, mm-hmm. and he comes out and he says, "Hey, look!" He goes, "I know what's wrong. I know it's unconstitutional, but we're going to wait for the Supreme Court to say it's unconstitutional." Did anybody check to see if they changed the definition of uphold? Oh, maybe not. I would have to oh, see. Oh, that just dawned on me, dude. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uphold doesn't mean what we think it yeah. means anymore. Well, and, and understand, Biden wasn't the first president to pull that stone. Oh no! Remember, it was George. It was George W. Bush when he signed the Patriot Act, saying, yep. "I don't think this is entirely constitutional, but I let the courts figure it out," which was a dereliction of duty, at least a misdemeanor, as it was originally meant when the Constitution was drafted meaning a reason to have them impeached. And they put their hands on the Bible and swore to uphold it and come right out in front of the American people with zero Fs given. Yeah. And say, hey, look. You have to say uphold in air quotes now. Yeah. From now on. And say, hey, look, we we know this isn't right. There's nothing you can do about it. And we're going to wait for the Supreme Court. We're going to wait for the Supreme Court that we put in to side with us. (laughs) You know? Good call. So... I, I, that doesn't infuriate me nearly as much as you might think, because uh, you know, listen, how, how can you tell when a politician is lying? Lips are moving. <laughs> what does it say about the American people that we not only knowingly hire people to represent us, to act in our name, that are lying to us, but the ones who lie the best are the ones who keep on the longest. Yeah, the problem t- t- that that corrupt men and women are drawn to positions of power and authority is nothing new. That is human nature. The fact that the American people act as if they have no part of it, as if they are not involved, there's pure surrender, they have nothing to do with it, absolutely wrong. But they don't know it because, well, it's you know, it's the donkeys fighting the elephants. It's bread and circuses, you know. Watch the donkeys fight the elephants. Here, here's your check. Here's your program. Keep quiet and let us put on the show, and then we'll do whatever we want. The American people have been duped into believing this. You know, you're familiar with the, the Hans Christian Andersen story, uh, The Emperor's Clothes, right? right? Washington, 90% of the federal agencies do not legally exist, but we still follow each and every word that they say. Mm-hmm. Still fund them. We, fund, we even listen to them. Some sample legislation I just published uh, to deal with the CDC. The CDC does not legally exist. The FDA does not legally exist because the legislation that created them was repugnant to the Constitution. Therefore, it is void, according to the Supreme Court, as well as now as in the hand of them in Paper 78. Yet everybody goes around following every word they say, licking their boots, kissing their backsides, as if they are kings and queens and princes. So let me ask so you this. That we, the people, ordain the Constitution, not the political parties. So Department of Education, right? FDA, mm-hmm. Bureau of Land Management. I mean, it goes on and on. EPA, it goes on and on. All of these, how, how did they originally get put in place? Why didn't anybody do anything about it then? And what do we do about it now? How do we stop it now? The Leviathan is too big. <clears throat> Too big, right? That's what people think, and it, it, 
I mean, really, it's proving true. Well, Paul does have a show, number 327 on his podcast, called Showdown at the EPA Corral. You familiar with that one, Paul? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, hold, I, I mean... Yeah, but so I mean, you, no, he gets into it on this, oh, on, this okay. exact, on this exact show, right? Okay. When he says that uh, when Congress said that they were to improve the efficiency of power plants, that really meant to protect us all from climate change. So he really gets into the fact that the EPA gets put in there and they're doing the bidding of Congress so Congress doesn't have to be left holding the bag when the ship falls apart. Did I get that one pretty pretty much right there, Paul? <laughs> You're right, that, but there's actually there's the more to the story. Mm-hmm. So you have to really go, if you go back to the beginning, I, I spent 30 years in IT, I spent 25 years as a systems engineer. Going back to root causes is kind of like my nature. So if you look at it, if you, you know, where we end up with, these, with the APA is, is generally two ways. All of these agencies. One is we're lazy, the <laughs> other is we're greedy. So what you end up with is I don't want to do something because it'll cost me money, it'll take time. I'll get the federal government to steal someone else's money to do it for me. We see it through all of our society at this point. It has literally permeated the, the entire society is American society is driven by bribes. <laughs> you know, we'll do I use the example, we talk about the Department of Education. It used to be you talk to kids at home. Now I homeschooled, my wife and I homeschooled our daughter, but every family taught their, their kids at home. If they had a community, they'd get together and say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We want a school. So we're going to build a school building, and then we're going to hire a teacher, and the teacher will teach our kids for us so that we can go off and do other things, farm, hunt, whatever. And we thought, hey, that's great. Then the state comes along and says, you know what? Building those schoolhouses, that's expensive. How about we do it for you? Better yet, we'll get someone else to pay for it. Oh, you know, vetting those school teachers, that's really, that, that's, that's hard, man. How do you know it's a good, how about you do this? We will vet the school teachers. We'll even pay for the school teachers and we'll get somebody else to pay for it for you. And then they go, and curriculum. Going, no, let's talk curriculum. Exactly. But they all, everyone sat around going, oh, goody, goody, that's great. You're going to do something for me and you're going to get someone else to pay for it. That's called a bribe. I'm giving, I'm offering you something for an, to, for an illicit return. Of course, then the federal government had to get involved because, well, they want power. And, you know, why would the states want to take on the responsibility of dealing with curriculum and standards? And we turned all this over. We basically sat back while the crimes were being committed because we were getting a piece of the action. It, it kind of reminds you, I don't know if you're a fan, I'm a fan of the original Star Trek. <laughs> there's an episode called A Piece of the Action where the entire society was based on a book about the crime families, organized crime in the 1920s. And that's what the miracle reminds me of today. Hmm. That's how we live our lives. We just don't realize it because we've been doing it so long. You know, it's like the fish doesn't understand what it means to be wet. They always have been. Yeah. So how do we stop it? I mean, I know we have the vote, but how do we get these agencies gone? Because right now you can't just tell, uh, you can't tell the Department of Education, Federal Department of Education. Tomorrow's your last day. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> Everybody's out. I mean, because now they're going to be cutting funds. The states can't afford it anymore because they've relied. Well, let's look at it like this. Episode 305 of Paul's podcast, Convention of States. I don't think that's going to help alleviate all these, but is it a step in the right direction? The Convention of States it doesn't fix the right problem. 
Okay. Because the problem isn't the language of the Constitution. It's the fact that we don't follow it. Correct. So you also <laughs> Correct. Don't so a convention of states, I and this is, we, we talked, an we've, well, we've talked about this. Convention of states is to fix things that aren't there at all, right? Term limits, uh, balanced budget, things like that. Mm-hmm. The convention of states isn't going to fix, if, if they would simply follow the original document, we wouldn't be here right now. There's nowhere I will listen. Me and Paul are just going to sit back. I'm going to give you this copy of the Constitution. I want you to find the words Department of Education in it. I won't be able to do it. No, you won't. No, you won't. Show me. No, show me where. Right. I won't find any of it. Um, So so forget forget the convention of states part of it. How how well the convention of states could do what he said in this podcast. And it could it could take away what uh, the sixteenth and seventeenth amendment. It could repeal it. Well, hold on. I'm still trying to get my question answered. <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs> right. So I'm trying so, to get rid of income so tax. Listen, but. So so King Paul the first. All right, King Paul the first now oh, is going to be king. <laughs> king Paul the first is going to be king for twenty four hours. <laughs> Anything King Paul the first says, that's it. Done. How how do we get rid of ninety percent of these agencies? and send it back to the states? That's actually the wrong question to ask. Okay. George Washington, in his farewell address, warned, he said this, this dependence, the natural animosity of, of political parties will lead people to, to find an individual that will save them. They will look, he, he, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, which is exactly where we are. We are looking for someone to save us. All right, let, let me That's just, the, let, let me clarify. Let, let, let me clarify let me, this. Let me, King Paul the first, I am wearing a shirt currently with George Washington on it, who has his nose wrinkled up yep. and underneath it, it says, I smell red coats. So King Paul the first was only funny. That was only in jest. Yes, I, but, I understand. But what you're looking for is we're looking for a big thing, a person, a big thing that fixes this. We didn't break this in one big thing. We broke it in a lot of little things. Which leads to the question I always ask, how do you eat Leviathan? I use Leviathan rather than elephant because you've used that term before. How do you eat the Leviathan? One bite at a time. See, what we don't realize is Washington, D.C., I mentioned bread and circuses. It's a giant magic trick. If you study magic, you study magicians, they'll always get you to focus in one place while they do the trick out of your sight. That's what's happening. We keep focusing on Washington. Washington is the pro- is the symptom. It is not the cause of the problem. Where do we fix this? Believe it or not, you fix it in your county courthouse and your city hall. Follow me, because we didn't break this in, a, in an election season. We're not going to fix it in an election. We spent 150 years making this mess. It's going to take a while to clean up that much dung. But if you think about it, each and every election starts – at your county board of electors. If nothing else, if you can have constitutionally sound people around you in your county, I I recommend meeting with sheriffs. I met with my sheriff. I had a constitutionally sound sheriff. It was a prerequisite for me to vote for him, for him to be a constitutionally sound (laughs) sheriff. I I told him, I said, this is what I want. When anyone at my house picks up the phone, dials 911, and one of your deputies shows up, I want to know they've been trained. Their primary responsibility is to protect the rights of everybody involved. He said, absolutely. I did the next step. What can I do to help? See, what we want is if if you have zero effective influence in Washington, D.C. When was the last time you tried to get a meeting 
with your with your oh, great. Uh, house rent. <laughs> they they tried on January sixth. You have <laughs> you have very little influence right now in most state capitals. You have a lot of influence at the county and city level. You say, ah, oh, yeah, but Paul, that's just the county and city, right? Well, if I get my I, my county is a fairly good county, which means I'm pretty safe. You know, when when Biden talked about you know sending people around knocking on doors to make sure you'd been immunized, called my sheriff. He goes, yep, give us a call. We'll arrest him for trespass. My back was covered and I'm willing to cover his. I'm willing to show up. I said, do you need a, a paper written? Do you need someone at a press conference? Do you need someone to testify in front of a committee? I will, you protect my rights. I will protect yours. That gives us a county that is safe. Now I'm here in middle Tennessee. I travel the country talking about these things I just got back. I was there uh, about a month ago. I was up in, I was in North Dakota. I was in Idaho. I was in Wyoming. I was in Nebraska. But guess what? Each one of those stops is another county. I talked to my counties around here. I start making a difference at the county level. I can start making a difference at the state level. This is what we preach on this show. What we preach yeah. is that the pyramid is upside down right now. Mm-hmm. Federal government has so little to do with your day-to-day life. State has a little more. Your your city level, your municipal level, level has everything to do with your day-to-day life. And you need to start getting involved in those local elections. You need to start getting involved in your state elections. Because what we need are states to tell the federal government, we're done. But you guys aren't listening to me. Yeah. We're, we're done. We're out. You know what? If you repeal keep the funds, 16th. Keep, well, hold on. We're going to get there. Mm. Keep, your, <laughs> keep your funds. We don't need your funds. We're going to figure out how to do this ourselves. If that means we have to raise taxes in in Tennessee a little more to cover what the federal government's not sending us, then we have to be ready to do this. It's going to be painful. But for us to be Mm -hmm. able to break away from the federal government and to take care of ourselves, that's what we need to do. Now, my question to you, and you said, look, you're asking the wrong question. But in my question... I'm not looking for King Paul to make those agencies disappear. Right, to wave the magic wand. Nope, nope, that's not what I'm looking for. But 24 hours, King Paul I gets to sit here and he gets to decree, you know what? Everybody, and I understand it's a right, you can't, whatever. Uh, or it's a it's a privilege. And But, you know, he waves his wand and says, everybody has to vote in your local elections from this point forward. Everybody has to take part in the process from this point forward. Apathy is no longer going to be allowed. I guess that is how you start to fix this. Is it going to be fixed in our generation? Absolutely not. Is it going to be fixed in my kids' generation? Probably not. But we can yeah, start the, the, the process. Is, and I'm not I'm calling for that. Ready. Don't get me wrong. I don't yeah, need I don't because, need all our listeners to be like, oh, <laughs> socialist. The, the problem isn't just the people, when people vote. It's how they vote. We vote based on donkeys and elephants, right? Yeah. Rather than when was the last time you asked a, a person, a candidate running for office, show me where you have upheld your oath to support the Constitution when it costs you something. That's the first question I ask any candidate asking for my vote. Any candidate, I encounter a candidate out somewhere, you know, of course, they, they want endorsements. I don't endorse candidates, but I'll always ask them. First question, show me when. But 90% of the time I get, well, you know, I get some plat- party platform plank, right? Like, no, show me when you did something. Now, some percentage of the time, I'll get somebody who says, hey, I raised my right hand. I went in the military. I fought to defend the Constitution. I'll give them a chance. That's like, okay, if you were willing to do that, you know, especially if you've never served before, if you've never been elected officer, I'll give you a chance. But it's extremely rare to find somebody that says, yeah, 
I opposed this legislation because it was unconstitutional, even though my party was pushing it. My leader was pushing it. Right. They threatened to take away. Look, it was good. Right. That's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for somebody, a conservative who comes out and says, look, I voted against this. It was good for conservatives, but it was bad for the Constitution. Yeah. You don't see that. You never see that. You know what? Because if I vote against that, I'm done. I'm not going to win another election. The party's going to abandon me. So they start going, towing that party line. And you're right. Dan, we were talking. We have candidates on here from time to time. We were talking and we're like 0 for 5 right? For people that we have on here, but we don't bring politicians on here. We bring people that we truly believe are going to make a difference, but those people just aren't getting their voice out there. They don't have the name recognition. They don't have sometimes the party backing because the party's like, eh, you're not really, you're not really following our, our guidelines here. But is it, isn't that truly the point? Cause from my point of view, um, they step out and nobody stepped with them. Nobody had their back. Right. Remember, I said, when I talked to my sheriff, you stand up, I'll stand with you. If you're standing on the Constitution, I will stand with you. I, I used an example from actually COVID in 2020. Uh, in 2020, there were two, or is it 2021? This is 2021. There were two very interesting videos that I, that I saw. One was a lady in Texas. She was at an, she was in, in a, uh, watching her son play some sort of outdoor game, right? It was know, football, baseball, something. She's in bleachers. She's all by herself. Her mother had just wound up. She's 20 feet from anybody else outdoors. Some dude with a badge on one shoulder and a chip on the other walks up, <laughs> tells her to, to, to put a mask on. She refuses. She said, you know, she, he, he attempts to, to force her. She says, no, I'm not doing anything wrong. She refuses. He tased her, cuffed her, and dragged her away kicking and screaming. And the, except for the couple of people that were taking video, you could look through the rest of them. They were all looking there, looking away, in my mind, in shame. She had nobody covering her back. No one stood up with her when she did the right thing. Right. And at about the same time, there was a restaurant, I believe it was a restaurant in Buffalo, New York. Health inspector comes in, two large Japanese were going to do an inspection. He goes, where's your warrant? She goes, I don't have one. You can't come in here. I don't need one. You can't come in here. Uh, she goes, but I, I no, you can't come in here. You're trespassing. Leave. Finally, at one point, one of the deputies leaned over and says, dude, we're just trying to do our job. He goes, no, if you were doing your job, you'd be arresting the trespasser who refuses to leave my property. Now, eventually, the health inspector and the deputies left. Do you know why? Because this man's customers stood up behind him and repeated, no, you are not coming in here. People had his back. He won the day. No one had the woman in Texas's back. She lost the day. Do you want to know why uh, politicians don't stand up for what's right? Because they do not believe people will stand with them when they do. That's a large part of it. So they're dependent on the parties for support because they know the people won't bother. Well, and that's true. People don't want to get involved, man. Listen, I got a comfortable life. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get involved in that. Now, Jim Jordan, who is our, uh, one of our congressmen out here in Ohio, he, he dropped a, uh, a screenshot of an article and I'm going to talk about this article later. Not, not today. Um, it's from the Atlantic and it's called let's declare a pandemic amnesty. And the title of it is, or the headline of it is we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID and Jim Jordan and, and me, I, I'm like, no, no, we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget that you violated 
the Constitution in this thing. We're not going to forget that you shut down businesses, that people lost their livelihoods. The economy is still affected. Right. We're not going to forget. You don't get to mulligan this thing. Oh, hey, our bad. We're going to start over. And you were talking about that. And so... I'll just read it real quick. And the first paragraph says, in April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in the front would use if someone was approaching on the trail, and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing says these precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth mask made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything. But the thing is, we didn't know. Well, that's not true. A large portion of the population did know, and they weren't buying the stuff that the CDC, that the government was telling them. Fauci. They were following the Constitution. They were saying, we have rights. And the government was saying, nah, not today you don't. You're not allowed to travel freely in this in this country anymore unless you have a mask on outside hiking. Yeah. And then you can keep going down the road all the way to the vaccine and the people that lost their jobs because of it. But like to you, we put up with it. People didn't just walk into Walmart and say, hey, look, no, I'm not wearing a mask today. People weren't at the, you know, at the beach saying, look, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm outside. They were scared. They were scared because the government told them they had to do it. I had one friend that didn't. He was getting threatened to get thrown out of Rule King because he wouldn't wear his mask and he had to lecture him like, the cops are coming here and they're going to toss me out because of trespassing, not from not wearing a mask. Well, no, that's so true. Let me make this transaction and get out of here. So shout out to Stephen B. <laughs> anyway. See, now I make, I make a distinction between public actors and private actors because the Constitution does the same thing. So, for example, you know, my local... Walmart and the heat of the the insanity. People wore masks. Walmart is a private business. It is owned by its shareholders. That is private property. I have no right to force them to allow me on their property. So if I want to be on their property, I follow their rules. Now, that's a decision I have to make. No one puts a gun to my head and says, Paul, you're going to go to Walmart today. I have to decide what is more important. Now, doesn't mean I forget what they've done. It doesn't mean, you know, I, as I said, when I traveled, you know, I kept saying, telling people, put this banner up. You will not be able to deal with all the business. Every retail store, every small mom and pop shop, I said, I want you to put a giant banner up in your window that says, we respect your rights. No mask, no mask vaccine, no problem. That's where I'm going to go. All right. So in full disclosure, I am a police officer. I have been for 30 years when this came down and the stores would call us and say, Hey, look, this person's not wearing a mask in here. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to make them wear a mask. They said, well, that's our rule. We want them trespassed. Now it's a different thing, right? Now I would go mm -hmm. to them and I'm like, look, masks are bullshit. I agree with you. If you don't want to wear it, you don't have to wear it. The store doesn't want you in here. You're going to have to go. If the store tells you you have to wear a pink tutu to come in here and do your shopping, you have to put a pink tutu on or they're allowed to tell you to leave. Mm -hmm. My problem lies when every single store is doing that. So now, if you choose not to wear a mask, you don't have a place to go to get your groceries. Now, those stores, and I agree with your banner idea, but those stores are being told by the health department, this is what has to happen or we're going to shut you down. So while they're private, 
The government is the one who's coming in and shutting them down if they're not doing it. So it's not really up to the stores at that point, right? Weren't those boys in New Jersey that, that had the gym that, that were getting fined every day for yeah. keeping their gym open? Same thing. Yeah. So when, when the government is coming in heavy handed, I mean, at what point do the stores become an agent of the government? So let me tell you a story. Back when, shortly after COVID started, I was doing a book fair in a neighboring county. And literally two days before the fair, the, the fair, the county passed a mask mandate. Now I show up, I set up my table, my books, my little pop-up tents. And the coordinator comes by and says, oh, Paul, that's great. That's looks wonderful. Listen, the county just passed a mask mandate. Now we're on private property. We should be okay. But we are right against a public road, and we do not know what the police are going to do. Do you know what my response was? I said, I don't care. The mask mandate is illegal. And I handed her a sheet of paper I had prepared for just such a situation. Ah, you would. And it listed. Right? I said, the Constitution, it says right here, the Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of the land. Supersedes anything a state does, any state law, state constitution. By the way, that includes county ordinances. This violates my Fourth Amendment right because you are depri- you are seizing me without just cause. You have no probable cause that I am a risk to anyone. You have no probable cause that I have COVID. You have, I'm not symptomatic. You have no reason to believe this. There's no probable cause. You're violating my rights under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment because you're depriving me of both my liberty and the property I have in my own body without due process of law, which is defined as a governmental or judicial process to protect the rights of, uh, designed to protect the rights of the individual. So now you have violated this. By the way, um, these are not my words. I quote uh, Alexander Hamilton and the Supreme Court saying that acts of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution are void, empty, meaningless. Therefore, you're going to arrest me for a void law. That doesn't seem right. Oh, by the way, by depriving me of my rights under color of law, you've committed a federal crime. Title 18, United States Code, Section 242, punishable by a fine and up to one year in jail. Oh, excuse me, officer, if you even threaten the head for that sidearm, that taser, or that pepper spray, that's now a fine in 10 years in jail. How would you like to proceed? Now, Paul, now I understand. Just, 50, 50 cents, I'm walking away in cuffs. Paul, why can't you just put a mask on? Just Look, go along. All you have along. to do is just go along. Just put your mask on. Be a God, good you could citizen. Av- you could avoid all this. You rabble rouser. God, I am see. being a good citizen by upholding the Supreme Law of the Land. Sounds like our politicians should do. Sounds like you're an extremist. No, I think he just. Yeah, I think he's onto something. I'm a, you're right. I am. I am extremist because nowadays, not kissing the butt of government is considered extreme. Which is exactly <laughs> what George Washington, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, the J, the Adams brothers, um, on and on. Richard Henry Lee. All of these men that said, "You know what? We have rights, and our rights are more important to us than our freedom, 100, than than, than being safe." I have. I have a daughter. I, right now, this country today is not nearly as free as the one I inherited from my parents. Correct. I want to leave one for my daughter that's more, that is that is greater than what we have today. Yes, and sir. the only way I do it is decide that her ability to live free is more important than me wa- not walking away in handcuffs. So, funny little story for you. In Ohio, we have to do continuing education. And the attorney general's office. Now, our attorney general, Dave Yost, out here is fantastic. Um, I don't have a bad thing to say about Dave Yost. Um, But the attorney general's office, they have this online stuff where we have to do 24 hours of online courses. And it's ridiculous. It's like cultural humility. Like, it's just, it's stuff that, I I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. 
So I do the 24 hours. Do you know where I learn more of how to be a good policeman than I do on any course that the state could possibly give me? You're going to tell me the Constitution said. Uh, well, okay, part, partly. <laughs> is it, is it, is I'm it, sorry you set me up for that. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it live PD? Nope, nope, nope. Is it cops? Uh, well, constitutional study. Now, listen, there are a whole lot of times when he's on there about the Fourth Amendment, things like that. And, and for cops to not listen to episodes like that. And what's funny, oh God, let me digress real quick. So what's funny is being in law enforcement, people always expect when we get to fourth amendment issues that I'm going to be like, ah, just comply, just comply and everything will be okay. But <laughs> I'm, I'm the exact opposite. Like I, I have a feeling the cops that listen to this probably hate me. They're like this fucking guy. He's not helping us. Yeah, he's all. not helping at all. Cause I'm always like, look, man, cops pull you over for a speeding ticket. You talk about the speeding ticket, not eat. Well, not even right. You don't admit to it, but don't talk to the cops. No good ever comes from talking to the cops. Just shut your mouth. And it's hard because like, where are you going? And if you're not an asshole, you're like, I'm going to my buddy's house. Right. Everybody's like, oh, well, if you would just comply with yeah. them. Let me shake your hand well, when you get here. Cause you maybe be, I'll get off. You can be polite. And if you've done nothing wrong, you yeah. have nothing to fear. Right, right. Right. If you've done nothing wrong, why wouldn't you tell them where you're going? Because well, when I clam up and tell them just write my ticket or give me a warning, I'm getting the ticket. Okay. Yeah. And that's the price you pay. Yeah. But your rights are intact. So, Anyway, where I learn, I think now more than anything else is from a YouTube channel called audit the audit. All right. Yep. And where have you seen it? Yes. Absolutely. Fantastic work. So what these guys do is they take these use of force videos or these arrest videos and they break it down and they give both the police and the citizen a grade. Now, I'll say that they are they're, they're a little skewed towards or, or, or weighted towards a citizen, right? The citizens usually get an A minus and the cops always get maybe a C minus if they did a really good job. Every now and then there's a cop who walks up and is like, knows the Constitution, cuts them loose, and he gets an, an A plus. Um, I learn more watching that and watching where these cops have misstepped and where they have stepped out. It's, I assume the guy's an attorney because he breaks it down, man. Case law, like why they're allowed to do this, why they're not allowed to do this. It's amazing. If you are not following audit the audit, you will learn more about your rights. And these aren't just those First Amendment auditors, right? Because you'll see these guys that say they're First Amendment auditors, but all they do is go out there and provoke, 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 provoke. This guy, and, and he'll call them out for their provocation. He is doing more like you just get stopped for loud music. And this thing escalates into this you being in handcuffs all of a sudden or them searching your car. And the way he breaks it down is absolute genius. What do you think of it? I absolutely. Well, what did I, I told you we started this out with by knowing their rights, read and study the constitution by knowing their rights. They'll be better prepared to defend and assert them. I'll I'll tell you another story. Right. So last uh, earlier this year, I had the joy of being served a federal subpoena. To me, this was, this this whole thing was hilarious. I get a voicemail from somebody saying, yeah, this is so-and-so with the FBI. Please call us back. Well, the first thing I do is search the phone number. It says probable spam, so I ignore it. A couple weeks later, I get another one. You know, this is so-and-so with the FBI. Mr. Engel, please call us back. I look up the number. It's a different number. And it turns out to be a FBI office, like, two towns over. I call. All right, so I call them up. Uh, yes, Mr. Engel, we have a, a federal subpoena for you. We wanted to call you beforehand so there would be no surprises, and we'd make sure you were home. Now, to me, that is a professional. I was so, I, I was very pleased with them because they were being considerate 
you know, they, they weren't, uh, you know, swatting or pouncing or any of that stuff. I said, that, that's fine. Yes, I'll be home in the next hour. Two, you know, suburban rolls up, black suburban, two armed men get out. I'm standing in my front door with my back to the door, keeping them both in my field of view, right? My wife is behind the door with ready with the phone just in case things go sideways to call my sheriff buddy so I have deputies there. And we had a very, you know, here's the thing, and they explained the whole process. Thank you very much. Well, one of them says, uh, by the way, this is a very nice, I own like 70 acres. Really nice place. How much land have you got? When did you buy it? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't get chatty with law enforcement. I don't get chatty with government actors. <laughs> right. Nothing personal. I assume you're just being polite. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not answering because I don't do that. And most okay, people like to brag about it too. Like all oh, these 70 acres are nice. I got yeah. a good deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bought so them I, five years ago. Uh, yeah. So trust fine, me, everything you say to law enforcement, it doesn't matter how chatty you think you're being, how just innocent it is. It's all mm-hmm. being filed away. My friend. Every yep. So, so I get the subpoena and, and I talk to a lawyer friend of mine, just so I know what to expect. And I call up the U S attorney's office. Now it's the office in Arizona. It's an office in Arizona. It's in Phoenix. So there's this whole rigmarole of travel. And I'm talking to them. Oh yeah. You know, we go through all of that. And I have a very simple thing. One, I hate the language of a subpoena. A subpoena says, the subpoena says you are commanded to appear time. I'm sorry. I am a free citizen of the United States. You don't have the authority to command my appearance just because a U.S. attorney thinks so. But I believe if the defense has the legal authority to compel witnesses in their favor, the prosecution should do so as well. So in this case, I'm not I'm not going to deal with the commanded. That's more when you're dealing with Congress and other bureaucrats, right? So I call them up, and yes, okay. I said, fine, I'd be more than happy to attend. Oh, by the way... Right. You got to remember, this is when all the airlines were doing their, you know, crazy travel restrictions and stuff. I said, I will not take the jab. I will only wear a mask under duress and I will not be silent about it. I have a mask that I wear when I'm forced to wear a mask. It says mandates are tyranny one under duress. And it's on upside down American flag. (laughs) (laughs) I had one that I used to wear to Walmart that says this is bullshit, but I needed bread. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Interesting enough, two days later, I get a phone call from the saying, uh, no, you, you don't need to, uh, to show up. We're not going to have you anymore. They're not going to call me as a witness. They're like, so yeah, go, he's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, we don't want this guy. He knows what the hell he's talking yeah, about. This guy's going to be a pain in the ass. I said, great. When do I get the rescinding, the rescinding of my subpoena? Because what do you mean? I said, I have a federal subpoena. This says I'm commanded to appear. You're telling me I'm supposed to take your words for it? I don't have to show up? I said, all it takes is some <laughs> exactly. paperwork snafu. We and got him. It says, it says, yeah, we have a subpoena Paul never showed up for. I said, this is a lawyer's office. You're a U.S. attorney's office. You're lawyers, right? You've got to, you, you're telling me that you don't do this? You do this, right? Uh, it took me about three phone calls. They finally sent me a letter on letterhead signed by the U.S. attorney saying they were rescinding the subpoena. So out of curiosity, and, do you know what the case was? Yes, it was a case against a former employer of mine that I had invested with you know, decades ago. Uh, okay. And he was being, he was being, I, I personally believe he was maliciously prosecuted by uh, a disgruntled investor and it's kind of way out of hand. Yeah. Which is really funny because I've been interviewed several times about this and I've said exactly the same thing. So I was shocked that it was a U.S. attorney that wanted to call me as a witness, not the defense. But. Right. 
<clears throat> but understand, see, in both the, the, the book fair and this situation, I knew what my rights were, and I had been and I had prepared myself to defend them and to assert them. I knew when the FBI was here. I know I know it when I was in the U.S. Attorney's office. That's the important part. You assert, See, it, you assert your rights. You let them know that you that you know your rights, and all of a sudden, well, you're not needed. They're like, listen, exactly. listen, man, we just want to push over. We want some. Do you know anybody who's not going to make waves, Paul? Can you send them our way? You know the, exactly. You know it's the, the funny. Um, I, I was watching uh, an old uh, clip of an old Johnny Carson show where Ronald Reagan, before he was president, was being interviewed. And at one point, uh, Carson asked him, how do we balance the budget? And Reagan's answer was perfect. It was, you balance the budget the same way you protect your virtue. You learn to say no. Mm, wow. That's it. Right? You want to you protect your freedom. You want to protect your liberty. You learn to say no. And then understand, you, there may be unpleasant consequences. What is it worth to you? And I keep saying, each and every one of us has a different level to which we will go. We have to decide what that level is. We should do so beforehand, and we should prepare ourselves to be able to defend ourselves however far that may be. Some people may just put on the mask because they don't want to have to deal with it. My wife has a neurological condition. We, she has a new neurologist, and when we first started showing there, they, they had you know, got to wear the mask. I don't wear a mask in, in public. right? I wear a mask on private property only when asked to. Not assigned to, asked to. So we we pull in, we I, you know we roll up. I fill out the, the the forms, and yes, we're here, and we're sitting in the waiting room, and there are people around. I actually watched one guy take his mask off. Um, we get escorted back into the, the the exam room, and the nurse does all the vitals on my wife, and then the doctor comes in, and we were like ten minutes from the end of the exam before the doctor realized neither of us were wearing a mask. She says, "You have to wear a mask." I said, "Why? They don't work." She goes, well, you know, I said, no, look at the CDC data, right? A, a, a cloth mask, paper mask is about 5% effective. Well, that's 5% better than nothing. And I had this I had this freak in me. I said, you're a doctor. Don't you understand? If you're inhaling 95% of my exhaust, um, that 5% is not making a difference. Right. Right? Now, it's her practice. Okay, you want me to wear a mask? I will wear the mask. I'm just not going to pretend that what you're doing is right. What you're doing is stupid. And I'll, I'll be more than happy to tell you before you fall in the stupid pit. But if it's your private property and that's what it takes for me to be there. And my wife wants to see this doctor because finding a neurologist in the middle of Tennessee, in middle Tennessee that isn't affiliated with Vanderbilt is near impossible. We finally found one. She didn't want me to take too big of a, of a stink about it, but you know, that's how far I was willing to go. That's Not everybody's going to go there. No, but no, but it thing, sounds like you're going there with everything. Every aspect, you, you have to. There, but what's more important is not that I step up. What's important is that when someone steps up, that other people flock to their yes, side. that's the problem. When you step up and you're the only one, now you're just a rabble rouser. When the entire practice that's stands it. up behind you and they say, hey, look, we're with this guy, and they all take their mask off, well, then you know what? They got a choice to make. Now and, then, have, and then when everyone walks in the door and sees everyone behind the desk not wearing their mask and you in the waiting room – don't 10% of them are going to put their mask on and the rest of them are going to be like, finally, <laughs> yes, exactly. it's over. Exactly. You know, there's a very interesting statistic. When the colonies declared independence, roughly a third of the colonists wanted independence. A third wanted to remain British citizens. Mm -hmm. About a third didn't really care one way or the other. 
But the really important numbers, only 3% of the colonists actually fought for liberty, actually fought for independence. That it's other third sat back, right? The, the rest of that third sat back and said, oh, yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done, well, patriots. They were, they, were, they were also the ones that were sending them food, that was, sending them shel- that was giving them shelter. Mm-hmm. That was, right? they didn't fight, but they supported the fight that was there. Did you watch the you show? Did you watch the show Turn Washington Spies? Yes, I did. Ah, yeah. That was our jam, dude. It, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's this mentality of we keep waiting for someone else to protect us. Yeah. We've been trained. Government is there to protect you. No, government is there to protect your rights so you can protect yourself. Company called 30 when Seconds we, Out. Are you familiar with them? No. Yeah. So they sell a sticker. It says, nobody is coming. It's up to us. I have it on my truck. (laughs) Nobody is coming. It's up to us. Stop relying on somebody else to come save you. Now, real quick, and we can either talk about it now or we can have you back on. And we may need to. The 16th and 17th Amendment. Ah, my nemesis. Yes. Well, well, let me tell you why, right? The 16th is, is the tax, right? The income tax. And we always say that the pyramid is upside down. I mean, I had, I had one of the best years past couple of years of my life. Are you familiar that Paul thinks that the 16th and 17th amendment is what actually destroyed this Republic? Yeah. Cause right. I listened to so was episodes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk about it now or, or do you want to come back on? Sure, We can, we can, we can, I love, by the way, I'd love to come back on. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We can talk about it now. Let's okay. Go, you know. That's fine. If you're good, we're good. Well, let me tell you about the six, the, 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 the problem that I'm having. And we say that the triangle is upside down. And when I've had one of the, the best years of my life financially, and I got to give my city 1200 bucks, and then I'm literally giving the government 20 times that, <laughs> you know, like as the federal, I, government. the federal government gets, you know, when it's all said and done with, with, with the fed and Medicare and social security and all that, like I'm literally giving them 20 plus times. And how much of that money is coming back to your, to your community from <laughs> the fed? Yeah. Right? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. The, the vast majority of it is theft yeah. anyway. Oh wait! In 2011, so when we had that really bad flood, the Red Cross came through and gave me a bucket with some shit in it. Oh yeah, and gave you a cup of coffee and a donut. <laughs> they gave me a Understand, Congress can only legally collect taxes to do three things: to pay the debts of the United States, to provide for the common defense of the United States, and for the general welfare of the United States. Now, all those are capital U, capital S, a proper noun. The exact same proper noun that in the 10th Amendment says no a power that is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution belongs either to the states or to the people. So if you think about it, of that 20 times that you sent to the federal government, how much of that was to pay the debts, common defense, or actually run the federal government, which is pretty much what the, when you're talking about the general welfare of the United States, you're pretty much talking about operating the federal government. You, I'd say very little of it. Yeah, yeah you got to exactly. go. You got to go back and listen to our omnibus bill episode. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> we we were just scrolling through the omnibus and being like sixty six million dollars for <laughs> for uh, like research of sperm, trout and yeah, sperm whale reproductive habits. <laughs> we're like, what? What the fuck? But then again, your representative did your representative, your employee in the House of Representatives, your employee, your state's employee in the Senate. Did they vote for that omnibus bill? No. At Good. The, at the time we had Jim Jordan and he was like, nah, <laughs> I'm voting the no. <laughs> but they didn't need his vote to pass it. I wonder when it but, comes down to it. But what about it. the other two? Portman. Because you had a rep and two senators. 
Portman voted yes, I think. Or no, Portman voted no. Okay. Because they didn't need his vote. And I don't know. They had the numbers. They didn't need his vote. Or I'm sorry, my rep was Jordan. Um, It was Portman and who? uh, Brown. Oh, you know, Brown said yeah. Yeah, because he was. Sherrod Brown said yeah. Mm -hmm. So the question is, okay, they're stealing from the American people. They're, they're, you know, because, again, I'm not one of those that says taxation is theft. We have authorized the federal government to tax to do three things. Anything they do beyond that is theft. But when was the last time your employee said, um, I'm sorry, you voted for this. You are disqualified. You dishonored the office. You're disqualified from us. I wouldn't vote for you for dog catcher. I forget. I, I always forget who it was. Was it Daniel Boone who got called on the car? He, he told this story when he was a representative in the House about getting called on the carpet by a farmer because he had voted to send money to a, I think it was Georgetown after a fire. He said, we didn't give you permission to do that. We didn't need, you wanted to collect money, fine. You don't have the ability to collect taxes for it. He got called on the carpet on a campaign trail by a farmer. When was the last time the American people did that? We're sending two hundred or $725 million to Ukraine again. That's right. But it's all, it's all fake printed money anyway. I mean, and you're right. No, well, people do step up, but nobody cares, Paul. You can step up. We can petition the government. We can, we can protest. They know we're going to go home. They know that this isn't long. They know I got to go to work. They, you're right. Because, because you're going after this, this conglomerate called government. I look, I have a rep and I have two senators. Right? When they pull a bonehead move like this, I tell them it's a bonehead. I said, if you want my vote, you better do the job or I'll find somebody. You take a, you yes. promise. Yeah, but when's the last, you and know when the last time that happened was? To every single Republican that voted to impeach Donald Trump, I think two made it out. Two made it out without getting voted out. But, and, but, and, they, and they got kicked out of office for that okay, or didn't but, run. But, but that was, okay, that, but that is not... You're talking about the the absolute mismanagement of of funds. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the illegal taxation, and yet I'm mad about it. You're mad about it. Paul's mad about it. But the majority of the people just show up at the polls and they vote and they say, you know what? Joe Smith has been in there for a long time. I know his name. I don't know this other guy. I'm going to vote for Joe Smith. We keep putting these criminals back in office time after time after time after time. And you sound the alarm and you tell them, look, this is not who you want. Like I say, vote for the mechanic. Vote for the guy you don't know because right now you can't do worse. And if he doesn't do good in two years, we're going to get him out of there too. But get this guy out. It never happens. Because you're right. And I go back. That's why I always ask that question. You know, how can you tell when a politician is lying? Because it flips the script. Everyone sees it as, as a dig on the politician. No, it's a dig on the American people because we are complicit in the crime, because we, we have colluded in the crime. Um, we've conspired for this crime. You know, the, the way you change it is to educate the people, and doing small groups, right, to understand what's actually going on, what the Constitution actually says. And then they start making changes. It, I, I look at this as a in the, in the big picture, long term, not in election cycles. But it's it, it's the reason why I go around doing this education to say, do you realize? I just I, I'm I have a tour I'm currently going on now. Well, I just finished up one tour. I'm trying to set up some more dates. It's called the Blessings of Liberty Tour, and it describes how 
the whole system, like you said, is upside down. But we made it. We are the ones that only let it happen. We're the ones that are continuing to let it happen, and this is how we fixed it. The people are uh, sovereign to the government, and they have forgotten that. They have forgotten that. Oh yeah. The people There's believe a, they are beholden to the government, and it's it's yeah. it's just absolute insanity to me. I just. I think uh, as Lincoln said that the people are the rightful masters of those congresses and courts, not to overturn the Constitution, but to overturn the men who pervert it. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole lot of perverting going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you were talking, we were talking about 16th and 17th Amendment. Well, 17th, and I'm more, 17th is, I, I'm interested in that one, right? Because I, I'm with you well, 100%. But yeah, so so you think the so 16th and the, the 17th are what destroyed this this republic? They were the keystone, right? There's a lot of things going on before. There's a lot of things going on after. But what the 16th and 17th Amendment did, is completely change the power structure in the United States. See, with the, before the 16th Amendment, if the federal government wanted to tax the people directly, they had to go through the states, which gave the states a lot of power, right? So if the federal government wanted to do something stupid and say, we're going to spend that money on education or studying sperm whales or whatever, the state could say, no, we didn't authorize that. Therefore, we're not going to send you money till you fix it. The states had the power of the purse. 16th Amendment gave that up. Now the federal government gets right into your pocket. Before 1913, unless you were in the military, the only time you encountered the federal government was at the post office. Now the federal government wants to know every dime you make and every place you spend it because we allowed them to take the states out and invert the power structure. The 17th Amendment did the same thing, only with legislation. See, the bicameral legislature you have one house that represents the people, the House of Representatives. The Senate represents the states. That's why they're elected and appointed the way they are. So if the federal government says, hey, we're going to uh, decide that we're going to control certain state lands, right? We're going we're gonna to have, we're going to do oil leases. We're, we're gonna, our EPA is going to tell you what you can do with state land because we think it's a waterway in the United States. The states can say, uh, no, we don't think so. We're not passing that legislation. It never goes into effect. Well, and the way that worked was the House of Representatives was supposed to represent the people. The Senate was supposed to have the states' concerns foremost. They represented the states. That's correct. They they weren't worried so much about the people. The Senate at that point may have said, look, we understand this is probably good for the people individually, but for the state of Ohio, this is bad. We're going to vote no. That's right. Also notice they were appointed, not elected. Appointed by the states. By the state legislature, specifically. So the states would basically say, hey, look, we think Jim and Dan are going to be the best for uh, keeping our interest in the forefront here. We're going to send Jim and Dan to Washington. Take care of Ohio, Jim and Dan. And then if we're doing a good job, then those people get reelected. More importantly, no, not elected. Appointed. No, the people that appointed those people. The other important point is if you went to Washington and you screwed up, say, like uh, Joe Manchin, you got recalled. You got taken home. It wasn't, you didn't wait six years to get to, to see another election. You got yanked. But now the states have no say but then, in federal legislation. So the 17th Amendment comes along, and what does it say? It's, it's we have popular election of the senators. So when we so now, now have. The Senate is basically an upper House of Representatives. So it's we now have the House of Representatives representing the people, and we have the Senate representing the people. Nobody yep. representing the states anymore. 
Exactly. Which is why the states so are getting trampled. On, yep. And it's why your rights are getting trampled because one of the purposes, you know, we, if you think about it, the federal government was designed to protect us from foreign influences, right? From foreign invasion, foreign attack. The states were supposed to protect you from both foreign attack and federal attack. And then your local, your counties and your cities, well, they dealt with the, the, the foreign, federal, and state. There were layered defenses to your rights. And we basically destroyed it. We blew up the dam. And now we're wondering why everything is flooding. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the look on Dan's face. He's disgusted right now. <laughs> it is. It is. And I don't want to pay taxes anymore. <laughs> 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 Again, I'm, I'm not one of those that says taxes and stuff, but if you think about it, when I was uh, when I was writing my book, I found a website that listed all well, of the well, which book? and agents. Which book? Because you have like... The main book. I don't even... Well, the, the main book, the Constitution Study. Okay. That to me is the book. Everything else kind of spins off from there. It's mostly my rantings and ratings. But when I, there's, a, there's a website that lists all of the departments and agencies in the executive branch. I went through them. I got rid of the duplicates. I got rid of the stupid. Uh, I got really pissed off when I realized that the federal government views the states as departments of the federal government, which pisses me off to no end. But that's, a, that's another discussion. When I got all through that and I looked at the final list of departments and agencies, I did the math. I, I, I looked at the Constitution. I said, is there possibly a power that could be exercised that would be authorized by the Constitution? I don't mean are they doing it? Is it possible, right? So you talk about the Bureau of Land Management you mentioned before. Well, the federal government is allowed to own small chunks of land, not the nonsense they own now, forts, dockyards, magazines, needful buildings, right? Washington, D.C. So you can have that. Even with that level of okay, you know, of of grace to they can do this, 90% of those agencies do do not exercise the power delegated to the United States. 90 percent nine out of ten if you're so upset about paying taxes if we simply had people in the federal government that said you know the constitution says we're not allowed to do this let's stop doing it not only would you eventually save a boatload in taxes this 31 trillion dollar deficit would be wiped out it'd be gone in a matter of 10 to 15 years without raising taxes one dime just on the current uh uh income revenue to the federal government. But is it that easy? <clears throat> is it that easy to just do away with them, right? Because the states well, are so beholden to the federal government at this point. They're so dependent on the money coming from the federal government. I I have a challenge to every state agency, every school district. Figure out how much money you get from the federal government, then calculate what it costs you to fulfill the strings that come along with it, to fulfill the federal le- regulation that comes along with it. And I ask you, would you actually would it actually save you money to not, you know, to, to give up a, a check because you're also giving up a larger bill? That'd be a good question for the superintendent around here. Yeah. I, I, everywhere I go, ask that. So do the math. Check it out. Because uh, I, in, in, in the few situations where I have had the opportunity to do that, what I found was the cost of the strings that come along with those with, with those that free money mm-hmm. far exceeds the money that you get, which means you'd actually it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give up. It's it's this example of the working wife 
you know, the, the wife works, but when you realize, well, if the wife doesn't work, she has to stay home and take care of the kids, and we're going to lose the wife's salary. And you look at it and say, yeah, but we're paying 50% more than her salary in daycare. Wouldn't that actually save us money? I played devil's <laughs> advocate on that in my life where I also thought like, well, we'll pay that now, but what if she's trying to further her career? And there's always a way to look at it in a different light. But the math you're, yeah. the math you're doing with the schools right now, it sounds like it makes sense. Did you use regular math or did you use common core math to figure that out? <laughs> exactly. I use two plus two equals five for very large instances of two. <laughs> well, you got to use real math. Yeah. I'm um, not using that fake nonsense. I actually, there was a, I actually mm-hmm. talked about, there was, a, there was a, I think it was a Harvard professor that claimed that two plus two equals five. Uh, and I, I'm like, I was, the, 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 the way he did it is he introduced rounding errors. I said, oh, so you're intentionally putting errors into the formula to come up with the answer you want. That's science nowadays, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, today it is. Trust the science. Trust the science, Paul. So what I, science so, denier. So I, got, I got one more thing to ask of you, and this came up uh, weirdly in my thread that I have with my sisters. I have four older sisters. We were just talking about, you know, stuff that has to do with school, and, and that, that thread gets wild. It just gets wild sometimes. I got to mute it. Um, but it was just brought up. They didn't know we were doing this show, but they were talking about cursive and the theory that, you know, they're trying to stop teaching kids cursive because that's what the Constitution is written in, is in cursive. Do you subscribe to that or do you think that's a whole pile of shit? Yeah, that's a whole pile of shit. I'm not asking you. Oh. You <laughs> <laughs> don't matter. Go away. <laughs> exactly. Just mute yeah. yourself. Uh, no, I don't think that they're trying to get rid of cursive because. They, it'll prevent people from reading the Constitution. There are plenty of printed transcripts of the Constitution. Yeah, right. What they are trying to do is spend more time teaching your children to be little perverted racists. Mm. Yes, sir. Wow, <laughs> he said it out loud. No, they should <laughs> be. Did. That's the problem. Nobody's saying That's it out loud. Now we got to stand next to him when he yells it at the top of the hill over there. We got to stand next to him and be like, he's right. Hey, okay. Listen, Y'all hold listen, up a sign that says perverted. You hold up a sign that says racist right next to him. I don't, you, I'm good with and that. And then they'll hey, edit it out, me holding a, a thing that says racist. And they'll be like, look, Dan admits he's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how it'll go. That's how it goes. <laughs> okay. So just so my sisters know, I think, uh, I don't know, 33% yeah. of my sisters listen to this podcast. I agree with that. I mean, I'm reading right here. <laughs> Right here, I have a constitution that is in print. I mean, that's not, it's not like the only document is, and truthfully, good luck. If I give you a copy of the original constitution, good luck reading it. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. You can't read it. Anyway. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, even the way they wrote though. Our 4th of July episode. When we did oh yeah. Fourth, tell them what we did 4th of July. Yeah. We read the declaration of independence. <laughs> uh, that's what, that was our entire episode was just reading the declaration of independence. And that was in print and we were having trouble. Like the way they talked and the words they used, we were like, good Lord. Shout out to our editors for that one. <laughs> yes. Did you miss my last two independence day episodes? Oh, I don't know. What were they? Oh, the read declaration of independence. Oh my so gosh. I I, I, re, I went through the Declaration of Independence, only instead of charging it to King George, I charged it to the government in Washington, D.C. Hmm, okay. And, you know, each and every one of the 27 grievances we had against King George, you can easily apply to one or more branches. Of oh, the yeah. Government. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we easily. talked about it. Yeah, we do. We, we've talked about that. that I mean, <laughs> so the I grievances are still there. <laughs> I actually printed it out. It's, it's, it's available on the website. Just look for Redeclaration of Independence. 
I actually have a, a PDF document where I took it and I highlighted where I changed it. And you can see, darn, Paul didn't change it nearly as much as we thought he was going to have to. We could, oh, we got to have them back. So here's the problem that you have now is that I have your phone number and we tell this to everybody, right? <laughs> the problem is, <laughs> now listen, 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 listen. Hear we, me out, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out before you hang up, all right? So <laughs> we try, we, we, I have this grand, uh, this grand plan. Uh, there's uh, the survival podcast I listen to with Jack Spirico and he has this thing on there called the uh, Expert Council. And I have this grand plan where I want to have this expert council where no matter what we have going on, I can always call somebody, right? Like we had Ben Barr, First Amendment attorney. If I have First Amendment questions, I should be able to call him. So now I got your number. So just know that we will try very, very hard not to cold call you. At 1030 at night. <laughs> but, but sometimes we are in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, you know who's going to know the answer to this? Paul. And then we'll, yeah. So just. Uh, yeah. And so, I always tell people. Save Jim in your phone is maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> so when it says when maybe I shouldn't pops up in your phone, you'll you just get the, you'll have to know that he either has a question or we're live and doing an episode or we're doing a Facebook live and we got a question that needs that needs some support. So yeah, I either either one of two things happens here, right? If you don't answer the first three times I call, I assume I'm blocked. If you, <laughs> No, hey, you listen, man, we, this has been fantastic. And we usually try to go, I mean, we shoot for 45 minutes. We're, we're at an hour and 33 here. And if, I mean, I could, I feel like I'd go another hour. This has been fantastic. This is my passion. I love doing this stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I love it. I love it. And I would love to have you back on here. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. That's why Dan loves long form conversations that can go three hours. No, I like it. I like it. Well, and the problem is we don't have commercial breaks. So like you got to go to the bathroom an hour and 34 minutes into it. You're stuck, bro. So, so you and me sneak the tag team, right? One of you can stay on the, oh. on the program while the other sneaks off. Well, you know what's I don't funny? Have that option. We, we, well, we, we, we play well with each other, but if one walks out of the room, the other one's just like, <laughs> like talking, uh, to, talking to my, oh, talking to my laptop. Exactly. <laughs> Lose our minds. It's, it's happened. I'm like, yeah, well, uh, we got, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not good. Man, listen, we really appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, it has been a true honor to talk to you. And, and I, I apologize. Jim has your number too, <laughs> but you know, it, it's just, it's crazy to me talking to you and hearing your voice while we're talking to you back and forth after listening to you for all these years, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool, man. I gotta, I gotta be honest. And I've never called in. I've, I've heard your shows where you're live and stuff. And I've always like, I'm always a little intimidated, right? As much as I think I know about the constitution. And I think that's probably part of a pro- part of the problem with people that listen to you. Um, you come off as so knowledgeable that it's a little intimidating. It's a little intimidating to call in and want to have a discussion with you. I can say after this, I'm probably going to be calling you all the time. Now you're going to be like, oh, this guy. Well, you have to understand. I have a, I have a very simple theory. There are only two stupid questions in the world. The one you don't ask and the one you ask three times. <laughs> well, that's, if you, yeah. I, I, I do not, you know, there are a lot of people that, Let's just say it's not the question that I would disparage. It's the way they continually ignore facts and data to hold right. their position. But I, I, I try never, I'm not saying I'm perfect, I try never to come off as disparaging because if you don't know, I want you to ask. You know, I was where, I was where you were before, afraid to ask, what do I know? 
it, I, I understand. But the only thing I ask is when you, when, when you do ask that question, listen to the answer and learn from it. Yeah. And don't ask, don't be asking the same question over and over and over again because then you haven't learned it. But you're, I, I understand. I, that's why I try to be as, as affable as possible to kind of say, yeah, it's okay. Well, we can have you are. conversation. You yeah. are. And, you know, kind of like a daydream. I was having day nightmares coming into this thing. Like, like I was going to talk to you. You're like, God, what is wrong with you? Jeez, would you, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like that at all. The but discussion that we had today was fantastic. I broke down six of my favorite episodes and I was getting ready to break it down with them. And I, I touched on three sentences out of all. Yeah. Yeah. Six well, you know what? Down. You know what? Keep that. And I'll keep it. Yeah, for real. And Paul, if you don't mind coming back, man, we would love to have you back. Yeah. And I think oh, we're going to yeah. get feedback after this with people that are like, you know what you need to ask them? Yeah. Um, so why don't you uh, tell, why don't you tell people where to find you, Paul? So they can find me. The best place to go is constitutionstudy.com. Everything you can find off of there, my articles, my videos, links to the radio program. Um, I have a site where I help people. Where I have scholars where I'm helping people. To yeah, we didn't even get into that. You know, yeah, we, we didn't get into the, uh, the CDC mess either, but that's, uh, uh, you know, that's, <sighs> I guess that's uh, fodder for another day. But everything is there. And the best part is there's specifically a tab. You go to the menu, there's ask a question. I don't care if you've, if you've bought one of my books, if you've seen one of my programs. If you have a question, just go there, fill out the form, ask the question. I will do my darndest to get back to you as quickly as possible with, a, with, a, with an answer. There's even a checkbox for people who want to be answered on my radio program. So uh, it's there, you know, I, I love questions because that's how we learn. It's also how we, you know, by challenging our assumptions that we learn the truth. Where can they hear, catch the uh, radio program? Absolutely. So go to AmericaOutloud.com. I am live 4 p.m. Eastern time every weekday. You can listen either through our apps. We have apps for Apple, Android, and Alexa or off the website. Uh, it's on iHeartRadio. You can also find it through there. Uh, it also, all my episodes go to podcasts, generally a day or two after you heard on the radio. So if you search the podcast listing for the Constitution study, you'll find two. One, which has the logo of the website, the kind of distressed black and white flag. The other has a picture of me in America Out Loud and all that. Those are both my, those are both me, myself, and I. Those are my podcasts. Okay. Nice. And as far as the books go, um, I know that they, we can, you know, if they go on and they just search your name um, on Amazon, all the books show up. Are they better off ordering yeah. on the site or on Amazon or does it not matter to you? Uh, it doesn't much matter to me. I mean, if you, if you, uh, uh, if you order through the website, you can get a signed copy for a couple extra bucks. I'll sign it for you uh, and, and personalize it for you. But other than that, yeah, if they got Amazon Prime and they get free shipping. They'd rather that, or if they want a Kindle edition, uh, you can get that off of off of Amazon. Again, I really don't much care. I just want it in people's hands and hopefully starting these discussions. Right on. All right, brother. We appreciate you, man. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you finally got to meet your new best friend and Jim right here. The Jim and Paul show. Well, just wait to hear how he fawns all over you when we hang up. Oh God. Stop it. <laughs> all right. All right, man. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks Thank a lot. Thanks for coming on. Right. Yeah. All right, man. God, dude, dude, I'm telling you what, when you move down to Tennessee 
you might become this guy's neighbor and then I'm going to call you and then I'm going to be like, uh, Hey Jim, what are you doing? And you're going to be like, Oh, just doing this uh, constitution study with Paul. <laughs> I'm like, I'm raking Paul's leaves. <laughs> I'm <raking> Paul's leaves. <laughs> Cutting well, his grass. So I just want him to read the constitution to me. <laughs> I'm out here weeding his garden while he's reading article one. And that's uh, tough because the constitution, like, nobody has a constitutional podcast. That's killing it with numbers. Well, you know what? His, his could. Well, I'm if, just saying, like, it's not out there. If people, there's not enough drama in the Constitution, you know what, for you, to, to to pick up ears, you need to start listening because it is not the dry reading of the Constitution. Oh, uh, yeah, I you have. know what? He takes a story from today, yes, and he says, "Here's one I saw mm-hmm. today," and then mm-hmm. takes it right into the Constitution. It is you want a working knowledge of the Constitution. Constitution study is where you're going to get that working knowledge. Right, right. It's not some attorney giving you legal speak yeah. about what the First Amendment means. And when you it know? really hit home for me was in his convention of states one where, where he said, well, but before we should, before we try to fix it, maybe we should try to enforce it when and he before, was talking about the constitution. Hey, and, and I was like, oh shit. You know what? Maybe before we enforce it, we ought to try to read it. Right. How about that? Right. How about that? Um, he also does a really good one. Uh, his show 339 with the Carter Page lawsuit. And he really breaks that thing down. And at the end, he gives you that insight of like how the lawyers and the judges dropped the ball on the whole entire thing. And he really hit home when he said, it's sad. This is what you expect from the judiciary. Listen, I'm telling you, (laughs) the last five minutes of every one of his episodes is like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Like you're watching the whole thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God. Heck yeah. You know, just brings it home. So. Man, good. I'm I'm glad you found him. I'm glad we got to get him on, man. No, it was great. All right, Daniel, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Nothing, huh? I mean, I, I'll save it for after the outro. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Dan. From Pod Bless America. You know what happened to Stephen B. <laughs> after, after his... After his mask debacle at the store, what they said, just buy your shit and get out of here. They didn't even call the police. <laughs> we want your money, asshole. All right, bye, <laughs> idiot. <laughs>